Hey, welcome to the Authors Chats Podcast with your host, Peter, your boy. Yo, hold up. I don't know why I keep doing this way. Um, speaking like I'm presenting or trying to enter some MTV-based presenter search competition. Uh, but yeah, welcome to the OFS Chats Podcast with your host, Peter, uh, part of the OFS Click. Uh, yeah, it's now season three be literally two seasons deep 20 episodes long 65 guests uh yeah and we keep moving uh you know it's not easy to actually have a podcast uh whilst also having a nine to five uh amongst other things editing inviting people on but yeah we it's always an honor it's a pleasure to always have people uh to always have these discussions with uh so i hope you guys will be looking forward to more discussions uh, so this season is going to be more intriguing, more cool, uh, more intriguing conversations, new and new different guests, uh, as well as the old people also coming back. So yeah, uh, I look forward to having this, this season uh, three. But yeah, I think that's probably going to continue mostly for next year uh, as we approach festive. So if this is the last time you hear of me, uh, I wish you a happy festive, a safe one. And yeah, we'll speak and have more episodes next year hopefully uh, or next week we don't know but yeah uh, uh, on my part i really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast uh this episode today is first season of season three uh and it's just an extension of an episode we had last season about property uh season two episode eight or nine episode nine we talked about property investing uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about property ownership. Uh, have some cool guests who own property, also a real estate agent as well. And we're just going to be navigating some of the things that relate to property ownership and their experiences, the journey that relates to it, and all those other cool things that relate to being a property owner, as well as the negatives. And yeah, so before we start, I think, like we always do, let me just introduce to our guests and yeah we'll start the conversation so by the ofs collective all right um i'm daniel um based in Johannesburg south uh work with peter at lombard insurance um but yeah by profession i'm actually a data engineer i so i'm a data engineer by profession as i've mentioned i work with peter at lombard insurance i'm in the insurance space so that's I think that's that's me. I'm a basic guy. <laughs> well, that's that's the whole conversation going to be about ownership of property. So yeah, if you own property. Hi everyone. Um, so I'm Zentle Maseko, and I work at First Rand Bank. Um, and I, I'm, I'm from the Val, um, old property in Johannesburg as well. Uh, got my first property I think around uh, 2018. Yeah, so so yeah. But yeah, the name is Deboho. Um, portfolio manager at Standard Bank. Uh, I also own a property in front of Bell Park, and then yeah. My name is Ganipo Ndombela, and yeah, I'm a real estate agent. I'm a property investor. I live in Madrid. Um, I operate around Madrid, and yeah, that's me, guys. I'm Snetemba Makubane, but you can call me Sne. Based in Deben own a property and employed <laughs> cool cool so thanks ne. Uh, so i think everyone has got an introduction i think everyone knows me host of the podcast 
relatively also work in insurance space, uh, but also have an interest in property, but also other several things as well. Uh, but today's discussion is going to be a very casual one, so please feel free to lay back. I hope you've thrown away all the notes by now for the stuff you're hoping to talk about because I'm going to discard everything that you think you're going to talk about because here's going to be a very fun, open conversation. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about property, property ownership, what are your experiences, what advice do you have around property itself, uh, especially what's the relation that you think as young Black professionals, what are the misconceptions that come around property? Most so also just speaking about the current times that we're living in, we live in a pandemic, what has been your experiences so far in the property market? Uh, also things like understanding the issues around costs that one has to be aware of. Uh, what are the challenges one typically would face? Things such as the banks. What is the kind of challenges you've seen? I mean, you have someone like Tavo who works in the bank, so maybe he will expose himself there. Uh, but uh, typically you have those kind of things where people have misconceptions around the banks, whether they're your friends in terms of getting better rates and so forth. Uh, and also just things about how you guys budget, how you work around owning a property, rent to buy, rent to sell, whatever concepts they are, versus renting, versus actually owning a property and so forth. Uh, but it's not a high level discussion, we're just going to be having open dialogue. Uh, so please feel free to chip in where you can. Uh, but if in case where there's background noise, just please switch off your microphone when you're not speaking. So at least allows the other person to not have any interference whilst they're talking. Uh, but before I start the conversation, at least just to have an icebreaker. And I've probably some of you have seen some of the questions we're going to be talking about. Uh, I'll probably start the discussion more so not necessarily on the lens of property, but more so to understand what is your relationship with money as it is within November 2021. So basically, I just want to see exactly how, what is your relationship basic with money? As a young Black professional, what is your relationship with money? And I'll start with Daniel, the same sequence I had the introductions. Daniel, the flow is yours. Uh, I hope you don't, you don't have a big overdraft that's going to cloud your judgment right here. Oh, man. You always kill me on such questions, eh? <laughs> oh, relationship with money. I think... I have sort of like a, a typical relationship with money, whereas you only realize when you're running low on your bank account, that's where you actually start to look at your bank statement to see, what did I spend my money on, right? So I think that's most, most like young folks, we are usually like nonchalant about how much we, we get into the store and we swipe, we swipe, we swipe up until literally your money literally becomes so small that you're like, and I still have to do one, two, three, four, five, six. But I think um, when you do that, that towards the end of the month, it sort of gives you um, an overview of what you need to do in the next month. So I think it's it sort of helps in a way. But obviously, you for that for that specific month where you blew the cash, you're really going to be broke towards the end of the month. But I think it's actually kind of good that for the next coming month, you are able to sort of put your finances in order. Um, the relationship that I have with money, it's, 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 it's becoming better. It's becoming better as, I, as I'm getting older. Well, because when I was younger, obviously, like I've mentioned, just swipe, 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 and then get to month end, you realize you don't have money. Um, now, obviously, you, as you, I'm a family man, I've got a wife and a child. So obviously, I am I'm more aware of uh, my spendings, especially now because I have so many dependents on me. I can't just go about spending my money as I wish. So I think my relationship with money is it's getting there. It's not there yet, but it's getting there. It's getting better. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but uh, all I can say is that um, 
I've, I've, I've sat down with a few financial advisors and they seem to have given me quite a similar feedback to say uh, the way I've structured my finances is not bad compared to some of the people that are my age. So I think I'm getting better at my financial structure of things. That's, that's at least good to hear. There's some progress, I guess. Uh, so at least yeah, much for this, I'm not calling you asking for their money. So oh, man. <laughs> I, think, I think also the nice thing about me is that I, I, I don't have what they call black text. I mean, my mom is very distant from me. She lets me do whatever I want to do with my money and she never calls me to say, hey, I'm struggling with one, two, three, four, five, six. So most of the time, that's why I usually have money. Whereas most people will actually have to support their families back home. I, I don't have that burden on me. Yeah. So I think that's also what's giving me like a heads up on a few people. Cool. Now I appreciate that. Uh, hopefully your mother can also do a seminar for some of our parents and just, you know, like, hey, sometimes <laughs> give us a break. Uh, but yeah, yeah this, I, this, this, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Zintle, what is your relationship with money so far in November 2021? Okay, so uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I share the similar sentiments with Daniel. Uh, my relationship with money has been developing over the years. Um, and also, man, I've learned that you've got to respect money. <laughs> Otherwise, it will, yeah, it will deal with you. So I, I'm, I'm a person that, yeah, I'm a sucker for planning and budgeting. So every month, um, just a day before uh, my payday, I go back to my budget. Um, and I sort of, you know, just readjust my budget. Um, see, I mean, I'm, I, it's so specific that I include even things like um, takeaways and uh, fuel expenses, you know, um, money that um, uh, for charity, you know, in case someone comes and borrows money from me, those are the kind of things that I also include in my budget. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that learned um, you've got to really um, be conscious about your spending. Um, it, I'm, I'm learning that, you know. Um, and, and and I remember I had this conversation with my financial advisor um, just a few years ago. Um, and I think it was one of our first sessions with him. And I told him how much money I put into my savings. And he said to me, goodness, that is crazy crazy because you know as young individuals, as as young people we don't really care so much about putting money into our savings so 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 that's kind of the relationship i have you know i, I just think about um if i don't put money um into savings if i don't invest in myself then you know i may get into trouble in the future so yeah i mean i also do make a lot of mistakes um but i learn you know as it goes now i appreciate that um yeah i think I'll, hopefully you don't tell us how much you save but it's, it's, it's quite intriguing that a lot of people put a lot of effort into thinking about ah uh, you know saving is something that's quite strenuous you know sometimes it's live for the day plan for tomorrow's the balance of the two but i, I really appreciate this you know it, there's a lot of focus on the savings part as well and managing your finances in that aspect uh Tabojo, um maybe it's the same lens for you as well what is your relationship with money november 2021 Oh, it's, it's, it's been a crazy one. I won't lie. So um, just to bring a bit of uh, context to it, right? So I come from, oh, but I think it's, it's, it's a very, can I say it's a general story whereby we come from a point where we come from a time where 
uh, our parents never really discussed the concept of a salary to us. You know, we never really know where money went and we never really knew what, you know, how to even manage the salary. So to transition from 1,000 in NSFRC to now getting a salary, you know, and, you know, uh, obviously that jump does drive you a little bit crazy. You know, you will definitely live a very financially reckless life, you know, because a lot of things, ah, I'll catch up, ah, no, I'll do that, I'll do this, I'll do that. And obviously whatever comes, it definitely goes, you know. So to transition from that place to a place where now I think I'm a bit more financially prudent and um, I manage my finances like I run a business. So each and every expense has to be accounted for and uh, any revenue leakages. So whatever my I waste my salary on, those I sort of identify as revenue leakages. So those are the things that I try and, you know, and, and, and cut the most. So for a guy in his late 20s, you know, alcohol is a problem. So, you know, uh, so to, to cut things like that and to make sure that uh, some of the most important things are catered for into Zintless Point, you know, things like saving and investing. Those are some of the things that we really take for granted at this stage, you know. So uh, with COVID also what happened, you know, you got to realize the implications of not having a, a very nice can I say uh, savings, you know, savings account or something like that? Because we were hit with a situation where some of the people close to us either were not getting paid or they were getting paid like, or they were getting paid like 60% of their salary. So that gets you thinking to say, but if something like that could happen to me, do I have enough to last me maybe three months? You know, I'm not even saying six, maybe three, you know, do I have enough in my savings to last me that, that period? So uh, just taking into cognizance some of those things. I think for me, that was very, very important. So building up to now, I think uh, recently just bought a new car as well because the other one was just, you know what, it was just dealing with me and a lot of money. That's one of the revenue leakages that I'm, I'm referring to as well. So just also making that decision to say, I'm going to cut this, I'm going to cut that, I'm going to sacrifice this for that, just to consolidate my finances and just to make sure that everything you know, uh, puts me in a better position than I was before. I think that's been, you know, the type of relationship that I've had with money now, you know. So uh, it's all in the anticipation and in the build-up for, can I say, financial freedom. So yeah. that's all we're working towards now. No, that's good to hear. When you said account for every line item, I'm like, yo, even Chicken Licking Lab has a budget line up on your, your financial hey, gonna... So I'm like, yo, this guy is a Chief, you must, You must make sure. You must make sure. You must make sure. Even you are for, you know, a girlfriend allowance that you are must be accounted for, you know. Uh, so some of these things you must make sure. Okay, okay. Hey, hey, that's heavy level. Next level <laughs> auditing. Klaganibo, what about you? And maybe just for the sake of the conversation, um, extending on to what he said, um, what is also your, 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 your views on this aspect of relationship with money on a personal level? Uh, yeah, like to be honest, guys, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to give an appropriate response or an honest response, but I'm an honest guy, so I'm going to give an honest response. And uh, I have a love-hate relationship with money, hey? Um, I'm addicted to spending it equally as much as I'm addicted to making money. So I love spending money, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but equally, I think I match it with me wanting to make money. Um, not that... I do have months where I'm reckless. I do have months where I believe that I've been irresponsible with my money and there's planning that needs to be done maybe to do better going forward. Um, but I'm at a point in my life where 
I do really just, I really do just enjoy my money. And at the same time, I'm focused on making as much of it as possible. So there's a point where you realize, Uti, um, you earn a certain amount. Um, also, I guess, based on the industry, because of the industry that I'm in, it's not like I have a fixed salary every month. So one month will be good, one month won't be so great. So um, you need to manage your expenses to make sure, Uti, you're not living a, a life where your expenses are 30,000 rands a month, but there's a month where you might earn 10,000 rands. So it's a balance between the two, but also understanding, Uti, um, there's going to be a point where you have to enjoy your money. Otherwise, what's the point of it? Um, saving, yes, I do believe. I do believe that a majority of um, people in general should save money uh, in case of emergency. Even when I post videos and when I talk to people, I always advise, Uti, it's, it's advisable for you to do that. Um, but do I practice it in my own life? No, I do not. And my reason for that is, is, is simply because I know, I don't know, maybe I believe in myself too much, but I know that I know how to make money, you know? So um, I, I'll never be in, I don't believe that I'll ever be in a situation where um, I'm unable to. So generally speaking, I do believe people should do it, but do I do it personally? No, I do not. That's because my money is better invested elsewhere rather than saved for 2% interest. Um, saving is a safe option and I'm a, I'm a risk taker. I'd rather invest my money than save it. So that's just the type of person that I am and that's the route that I've chosen to take. Not that I'd advise other people to do it because we're obviously not the same. We don't have the same drive. We don't have the same ambitions in life. Some people are comfortable with earning um, a certain amount and just being at that bracket um, and I'm not. So... So yeah, that's 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 me and money. Now I appreciate that. Uh, then lastly, Snee, what is your relationship with money? And I think we can just pro and you'll see how this dwells into the rest of the topic. Uh, I hope I don't have to put a lie detector test for you just because hey, maybe you have some some answer. Oh. <laughs> my relationship with money is um, money is my husband that I I will never divorce. So we fight oftentimes. And when we have a good time, we have a good time. I, I believe in I believe that you need to spend money to have money. I don't believe in saving for two percent what what interest. No, money for me, money is important now. A lump sum is important now. Um, so I, I've grown with money for the past five years because my plan was to take an early retirement. So I've I've learned to stick on my budget. I'm very I'm very strict with my budget. I don't budget for food. I don't budget for entertainment. Those are those come in as extras if there's money. If there's no money for it, it doesn't happen. But I think it's something that I did over the past five years as I was preparing for my early retirement. Um, budgeting is very good. Money is very is a very good person, a very good husband. It's nice to spend it. I spoil myself. I I love simple things but yet i believe that um it's good to live beyond your your income build yourself be stable up to don't always be at the same don't let don't allow your living expenditure to be the, at the same level as your income just be below it so it will always be above 
I know, Snay, you. you are living, you are living on the edge there. Hey, yo, I know, but uh, I, I, I do see what you mean. I think uh, it's obviously based on like Klaganipo said. Uh, everyone has a different risk portfolio and a risk profile which they manage, and it's obviously based on your individual experiences, what your goals are, and that's relative to that. So I think each person must just apply what works for them. Uh, because end of the day, we all different individuals. Uh, like Daniel doesn't have black tax, someone else may have. So those kind of things can also factor in also how much money you make every month. Uh, but now to lead to the conversation that we actually invited you guys on to have. Property, maybe to get the ball rolling, because for the sake of time, time is moving very fast. We started a bit late. Uh, so I hope you guys at least try to move the answering quite fast. Uh, this obviously you want to expand on something that you, someone else said. The first question I want to ask, in the current climate, not, not actual weather, but climate of economy that we are in, is owning a property worth it in your personal view? Daniel, I'll start with you. Um, I mean, I think obviously when you when you look at property, maybe I stand to be corrected on this statement that I'm about to make. But when you look at property, you're not looking at property in a sense of a short-term investment. Property is more of like what do you expect to get out of it in the long run, right? So when you buy a property now, it's not like you're expecting to make a profit literally after buying it. So even if the economy is not doing good now, it does not mean that in the next three or four years or five years from now, it won't be doing good. Maybe you start making more profit on the property in four or five years. Because, I mean, I stepped into property as a, as a form of uh, saving towards or like living in the house that I want to live in. Because when you, when you were young, I mean, you can't afford to go buy a house. I mean, I think it's very rare cases where you find like a an individual, a young individual that's under the age of 25 that's able to buy a house that's more than 2 million, right? So you always have to start small and build towards the house that you want to like live in. And obviously you're hoping that the, the housing market sort of accommodates you as you gradually growing with your finances, getting obviously getting increases where you're working, getting bonuses, all of that. So you're hopeful that the market will sort of work with your your plan, and and I think that's also one of the reasons why I stepped into property to say, okay, right now I can't afford a house that I actually want to live in when I'm when I grow my family in. So I need to start somewhere, and this is where I'm starting with a a, a property that I can afford at the current time so i think that's 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 the gist of it all whereas i mean it's more of looking at it in a long-term perspective not more of a short term of what it is right now i mean i think there was a podcast that we attended like oh actually i will listen to it where people were talking about uh the interest rates are down and now people are starting to buy cars buy houses i mean at the end of the day you always think of if you get yourself into right? You must always think about how you're going to get yourself out of it or what are you going to benefit from that squelet. So for me, it's more like I'm, I'm looking at this uh, debt as to say this is going to benefit me maybe four or five years from now. So I'm looking at it in a long-term perspective, not more of a short-term. Yeah, okay, cool. Now I appreciate that. Zintle, uh, do you share the same sentiments? And maybe to extend on that, do you maybe also think there's some misconceptions that relate around property, getting property, especially from a young perspective, young person's perspective? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, to, to add on what uh, Daniel has said, um, now, I, I do believe now is a good time to go into property investment, especially because invest uh, interest rates 
rates have gone down significantly um, and a lot of people are taking advantage of that um it's there's this i mean prior to this whole COVID situation people thought the property market would go down and would perform really bad but yeah to our surprise it's been performing really good especially in the lower end uh property market but obviously um the higher end is not doing so well so i've seen i know friends who have been buying property during this time unfortunately i bought mine before COVID. I wish I had bought one um, during this time. But yeah, I mean, do take advantage of such things. Um, it can be really useful in the long run. Um, and I, I do think, you know, um, as young people, we really need to start talking about these things. Um, we need to talk, start talking about property investments more. Um, and I mean, I remember when I first bought my property, um, we were really young, which is a group of friends um, working at at this um, this organization, and we are all in uh, internship or graduate program. And I heard started hearing people talking about buying houses. I mean, it was just our first year of work then, and people were starting talking about buying houses. And I thought, goodness, you guys, we are so young. Aren't we too young to be talking about buying houses now? And really, it made me realize that you know, um, all of this, the environment that you you you're in, the people that you surround yourself with um that um, influences you into making these kind of decisions about investing in property especially at a young age so yes there's this conception that um it's impossible to buy property at a young age that's uh it's it's a myth i mean it's, it's not true you can it all depends on your priorities if you prioritize buying um a car first before property then yeah sure it may be difficult to buy property when you're young but if you pr prioritize buying property then a car later then, you know, um, but not saying that there's anything wrong with buying a car first. No, I mean, obviously, um, we all have different needs. So, yeah, that's that's my piece. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I guess priority is also important to analyze before you kind of make certain financial decisions. Taboho, what is your view on this topic of, especially in this current climate, was it worth it? Uh, furthermore, to the misconceptions, uh, you know, some people would say, someone who asked me before we had this episode today, um, isn't it just better to rent because you don't know property markets go up and down, you know, until you actually have a lot of capital. Why why put money into a property when you can just save for a mansion one day and just rent until then? What's your view on that? Yeah, when it's like you knew that I was in that very same situation where, so I started renting the place that I recently bought now. So um, for me, I started staying at the place from 2018. So 2018, 19, 2020, then uh, mid 2021. So that's three and a half years. And uh, when I did my number crunching, I actually realized that it made a little bit more sense to own the place as opposed to renting it, you know? So then obviously the market sort of played in my favor because we had historically low rate, uh, what's this, historically low interest rates. And uh, for me, it just made financial sense. So if I looked at it from a financial perspective, it made, it made sense, you know. But then if I looked at it from a qualitative aspect, now that's where, you know, things can be a bit tricky, you know. So I think maybe it might be a question that you decide to ask, but just if I'm, I'm, I'm jumping the bandwagon here a bit. So I think of a situation where the door is broken. 
when I was still renting, I could easily tell, you know, the lessor that, hey, dude, the door is broken. Can you please make a plan? He'll send somebody, the door is fixed in a day or two. Hey, now the door is broken and that responsibility lies solely with me. And I have to now find within my budget, where am I going to get that money to, you know, to fix the door? So those are some of the things that, you know, what when you're thinking of buying property, upfront, you're not aware of some of these things. You know, it's only when you own the actual place and either you're leasing it out, renting it out, or either you occupying it yourself, some of these things will come up as you own the property and you'll learn some of these things as you, you know, you, 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 you have the property and you, you know, uh, you, you're keeping it and all of that. So uh, what I definitely advise somebody, you know, uh, to buy now, I think, yes, it makes sense now financially. But uh, when it comes to all the other aspects, you know, just do your homework. That's all I have to say. You know, just do your homework. Just make sure that uh, you are aware of some of these things. And uh, just make sure that as far as the, 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 the upkeeping of the place, you know, you, 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 you are well aware of all the risks that are involved. And you make provision for them in your planning as well. Because yeah. for me, that wasn't a conversation I was ready to have that wasn't involved in my, in my, in my plan. You can plan as much as you can financially, but all the other aspects are more qualitative and you can't, you can't anticipate them. You know, it's only when you experience them that you'll sort of pick them up. But yeah, so proper planning for me is, you know, is, 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 is very important. And to also just, you know, wrap it up with Daniel's point. It's, yeah. it's important in your investment portfolio to maintain and, you know, an element of long-term, you know, sort of investments and short-term investments. You know, so property for me, financially, as I said, it represents a long-term investment. The aim is not to get some form of financial appreciation now. The aim is to get it 20 years later. And if, you know, just to, just to touch on that or just to sort of elucidate on that. So I was reading an article by Bloomberg the other day and uh, they were talking about the world's total wealth, right? So between 2001 and 2021, the world's total wealth increased from 154 million which is now $154 trillion, sorry, to $554 trillion. And a lot of that growth was driven by uh, what is appreciation or sort of uh, uh, an increase in value of property or real estate, you know. So that's what, that's 200, 300, you know, much more closer to 200% growth in, 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 in value. So you can certainly then sort of be reassured that if you're buying a place now, 20 years later, that equals a 200, 300% appreciation in whatever that you've invested now. So it's very important then to maintain that mix of short-term and long-term sort of investment. So yeah, that was what influenced my decision. And then, yeah, that's my relationship with property there. Okay, cool. I hope that door's fixed. That's all I can say. But uh, yeah, and I appreciate the input. Klaganivo, what is your what is your view? Uh, is it worth it? Um, and especially to add on to what everyone else has said, um, especially in your view, appreciation of the property, long-term approach. What is your view on that? So, so again, I'll have a slightly different um, opinion where I don't believe that, firstly, just to touch on what you, you mentioned um, before, Debs, about uh, property 
owning the property in which that you you now live in. So I believe that if you're under the age of 30, basically, usually we are very, we are people who are moving around a lot. We are people who are job hunting, looking for opportunities and all of that. And I don't believe that um, you should own where you live. I do believe that uh, you should own a property, investment. Um, however, it's not necessary for you to own where you live. And the reason for that is having that flexibility, having that um, ability to move just because you have a different opportunity elsewhere makes things easier for you. And uh, it's something I always say, when you, when you purchase a property you, that you're going to live in and when you pro purchase a property investment that you're going to rent out, the criteria and the things that you look at are going to be different. You should never purchase a property, I believe, where you're going to say... Um, where you say, I'm purchasing this home, and if I need to leave in two years' time, I'll just rent it out. I don't think you should do that because you, when you purchased it, you didn't purchase it, you didn't purchase it using investment criteria. You, it, you purchased it using your emotions. You, you weren't objective about it. You, weren't, you didn't look at potential rentals in the area. You didn't look at all that different criteria. You looked at, do I like the tiles? Do I like the setup? Do I like this? Do I like that? Do I like? And as soon as you say you like something, um, it's an emotional decision. It's not it's not a it's not a financial decision and when you're investing it's purely a financial decision so if you are purchasing a place that you are going to be living in and you're going to live in it for less than seven years and think that you'll just rent it out or you'll just sell it afterwards you might not realize the profits um that you thought you'd realize i've had many experiences where um, I'm trying to help someone sell their property and they bought it three years ago and they bought it, let's say, for example, 500000 And they obviously want to make a profit on it because they believe property goes up in, in value over time. However, the market is not doing well and the most they can get for it is 500000 And in some cases, even less. Because if you bought a property in 2018, when the markets, when South Africa was doing relatively better than what we're doing right now, you might have bought it for 500,000. That property today might not sell for 500,000, might not sell for 550, it might sell for 450. And then you feel like you're making a loss, right? Obviously you, and everyone wants to make a profit when they sell their home, which is why I say, when you're purchasing a home, I believe you should purchase it with the intention of knowing that you're not gonna sell it for the next at least 10 years. And if you're purchasing an investment, because if you're purchasing an investment, you would have used different criteria when you're purchasing. You would have said to yourself, um, what, is, what is the current rentals in the area? What are the amenities? What are my potential tenants and what are they currently looking for? And if I purchase in this area, will I satisfy their needs? If you're purchasing using objective criteria, then... It's going to be a, it's going to be it's, it's a completely different conversation as compared to when you purchased using an emotional decision as to whether you like the tiles and you like the setup and the structure of the house or the apartments or, or whatever it is that you purchased so i like to look at that that's why i prefer to say if you're under the age of 30 rather rent a property that you live in and purchase definitely purchase property investments so that you can build wealth and appreciate over time, but allow yourself to be flexible, rent, because renting, generally speaking, is cheaper than buying. So rent a property, it's not, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's not you paying off someone else's bond. And that notion is, is something I really don't believe in. 
um, it is, yes, you're paying off someone else's bond, but the, the opportunity cost of you doing that is, 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 is much better than you actually purchasing a property and then deciding a few years later that now you have two children and you need to move out. And yeah, so that's just my opinion in terms of purchasing a property that you're going to live in versus renting it, as well as um, whether you should or should not purchase a property. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I guess it's a different perspective in which one has to factor in when, they, when they're looking into getting a property. Sne, um, on your part, and especially just to add on to that, um, maybe to lead on to the second question, we can start with you. Uh, what has been your journey, especially with property, in terms of the challenges? Um, if you experienced any challenges, and then maybe also during the conversation with other people, also look at the benefits or things that you've found opportunity through. Sne? Thank you, Peter. Um, for me, the journey has been quite very rough. Um, but before I go to my journey, my 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 view when purchasing a property, I would like to agree with um, with Daganipo. Yes, you you need to be careful. You need to decide on what you want to do with it. It's going to be your residential home, or you're going to be it was going to be an investment. For me, I always say. When purchasing, purchase something that will still enable you to move. Don't purchase something that's going to keep you down. And the next thing you can't move, you can't do anything because you're stuck with this thing now. You're stuck with this house or, with this house or apartment. Purchase something that will help you to move forward. Uh, look at the location. Look at everything. Everything that has to do with it. Consider when Nipot mentioned either you're buying it to live in it or you're buying it for investment. I, I always say that is very important. And then as for my journey, it has been quite rough. The banks were not my friends. They were not in favor of me. I'm not sure either it goes with the skin color or what, <laughs> but they were never in favor of me. But I managed, I, I made it through, or which took personal discipline, financial discipline. Uh, bought my first property in 2016. Uh, in a very good sub up, bought it at 330,000, sold it at 650, two years later. That's why I always, that's why I said you must, you must buy something that will help you move forward and not be stuck with it. When you want to sell it, you now can't do anything. So yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a matter of choosing what you want to do. Are you planning to live there or are you planning to live for quite some time and sell it or rent it. Be careful, your choices, do your uh, homework very well. Uh, consider the location, the surroundings and what you wanna do with it. Now, appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm really glad at least, you know, you made some great return on your, uh, your actual first, first property. So yeah, that's, that's really reinforcing a positive view. Uh, Cause a lot of us have panic, like, you know, things are looking bad. Don't look at property, you know. Uh, someone even told me, just look at investments and just put your money in Allen Gray or something, just put your money there. But I guess, you know, when you see people actually making return, I think the key thing and the key word I keep hearing is do your homework. And since a lot of times, a lot of us don't, you know. I think sometimes it's, a, it's insurance, one is a grudge purchase, but property ownership sometimes is like, sometimes emotional, sometimes it's also just for the sake of having a property because it's the next stage that typically say, okay, now that I'm working, what's the next step? And then you stick property and then you don't do proper homework but i really appreciate at least you guys have given us different perspectives and something even i myself 
take into hindsight when I, when I think about if I should get into property in where, what should I think about? Daniel, I see you've raised your hand. So uh, maybe as you're answering, because obviously I have some questions, but as you're answering to either to rebuttal or add on to what someone has said, maybe the question is to also add on to, so far with your uranium property, what are the kind of costs that someone has to think about? Because um, as a property owner, what are things that cost-wise that someone has to be sensitive to? Daniel? Okay, cool. So just before I answer that, just the, the key points that were mentioned by Devza and Shangani with regards to sort of doing your homework and also like um, ensuring that when you buy, you you actually have a plan why you buy, where you buy, right? But I think for me, from a financial perspective, I think as a person, when you're coming from varsity, you were staying at home, your parents were doing everything for you buying food, buying groceries. I think you need to have, as we've mentioned, as we've started with having a relationship with your, with your finances, you need to ensure that you can't move. I feel like it's it's a bit of a, a jumping in like in the deep end without knowing what's how, how far deep is it. Like if you're moving from home and literally going and buying property from the onset, right? Even after you've done your homework. I think gradually introducing yourself into the property market through renting, through buying an apartment and owning like a full freestanding house. Because if you're renting, as uh, Dave has mentioned, that when the door is broken, you just call the landlord and be like, hey, man, the door is broken, come fix it. You don't have, there's no responsibility. You're just paying the rent at the end of the month and everything will get sorted. And when you buy an apartment, obviously there's levies. So you sort of, you don't, you're not in charge of the upkeep. You don't have to uh, think about, oh, the, the paving is worn out, the paint of the roof is worn out, the door, the geezers, all of it. It's actually covered by the levees, right? So you don't have to worry about if you don't like, take out the, the, the garbage outside, the, the garbage truck is actually going to pass in. So you don't have to worry more, more about those things. And when you own a freestanding house, all of that is actually now on your shoulders. The upkeep of the house, the, the grass is cut, the paving, the, there's no weeds growing outside the house. They, so everything is more of a more your show. So I think it's if you gradually introduce yourself to these stages, you will become better at this property thing. Um, and yeah, so can you just repeat the question again? <laughs> I just wanted to get that across. Uh, it was most of the cost that one has to kind of okay, really okay. consider it off. Yeah, so I think there's also that also jumps on the the bandwagon of what I just mentioned with regards to like introducing yourself to, to property. I mean. I, I started renting while well, I moved out of home, started renting first. So I got used to literally paying a lot of money to the landlord and also having to pay for, I think I had to pay for parking, also had to pay for electricity and water. So that sort of introduced me to how it would seem like when I actually got to own my own property. Obviously, I had to pay installment and I also had to pay uh, like water and electricity and levies and all that. But the one thing that Dave's also mentioned is that the door's broken. You're like, oh man, I have to go buy a door or I have to cough in, like dig deep into my budget. But at least the, the number of things that, that are sort of on your shoulders are more like inside the house, not really off, outside the house. And because I, I bought an apartment, I didn't buy like a freestanding house. So I'm only like, liable to maybe like the the kitchen drawer maybe the handle fell off i mean i have tools i can quickly fix that it's not a problem 
I mean, I think the other day, um, the shower cap, I don't know what happened with it, but it was no longer working. So I had to literally go rush to, to build this. But it's, it's, it's small things that are inside the house that would, that have broken so far. I've, I've not had issues with the stove, I've not had issues with the, the geezer. So it's, so, I mean, I've only owned my property for less than a year, so I have not <laughs> got an exposure to most of the things going wrong. So I can, I think for me, that question does not really apply that much because I've only owned my property for, for a small period of time. So I think maybe you can literally shift <laughs> over to the next person who's owned it for quite a longer period. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I hope if I visit you, there's running water, please, Daniel, please. Uh, ah, definitely, definitely, okay. definitely. Cool. And, 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 <laughs> like I said, uh, this, this stage is, I'm at the stage where every single thing that has to do with finances is all good. Okay. It's just like stuff that, like, that you've not planned for that just pops up. I've not had the like, time to, I know with my car, I'm able to do it because obviously a, a car is also like, property where yeah. something goes wrong and you have to fix it but i've not had issues with my property just with the car yes yeah. yeah. um what is your view around costs particularly and i don't know if you want to extend onto it but in so far and what has been your journey especially in comes to aspects of cost that relates expenses that one has to realize when owning a property okay so uh i mean i've had experience um with renting a property um staying in a property that i'm owning and now which i am leasing out so um so in terms of the costs to consider first when 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 buying a property um and and this now takes me back to my point on the importance of saving is that there are so many costs that um, you need to be consider or considerate of when buying property. You know, there's like transfer duties, there's um, other legal costs like transfer costs, bond costs, and then there's initiation fees. And all of that can go up to more than 50,000 Rand. So where are you gonna get that money if you don't have any capital? You know to begin with so 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 yeah i mean that's just something i wanted to emphasize um so in terms of costs in owning property i think uh the other uh, uh speakers have already touched on that but in terms of renting it out um yeah i mean i i, I think you, you know it i think someone else mentioned that you've got to um, run it as a business this is your business you know it's not a hobby and i think that's the the misconception um, um or the mistake that many young people are making is that they're treating it as a hobby it's not a hobby it's a business you need to be aware of all the expenses you need to be aware of you know are you making profit are you making a loss how do you improve um and it also if you are renting if, if you've got an agent because because i'm I've, I've also got an agent that's taking care of all my uh, you know uh, affairs with my tenants I don't want to have to go through the stress of dealing with tenants and having to always I mean if the tenant doesn't pay on time and you know it's sort of frustrating it gets really um, uh, emotionally draining when you have to ask someone over and over again um, to pay uh, money they know they need to pay so so yeah I mean there's those cost agent agent fees that you will be paying um but normally these are very 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 small amount um i think i'm paying like 570 rent towards agent fees and you know it's worth it uh for you know it's just to alleviate that stress of worrying about having to deal with this uh tenant um and it also helps in terms of 
um, sort of having that separation between you and your tenant, um, especially when you you know you are, uh, 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 I don't know, maybe a too empathetic person. So if someone comes to me tomorrow and tells me, hey, I don't have the money to pay for this month, um, it's going to be difficult for me to, you know, be hard with them, um, you know. So at least when I know someone who's a professional in this area, they can take care of all of that. Um, and in that way, I, I, I get to make, I don't get to make uh, losses or, you know, go into financial stresses. So yes, um, there's that. Um, so I, I also want to say I, I slightly disagree with um, uh, what uh, a few other people have said that um, don't buy property to live in and then rent out. Um, I mean, when you are fresh out of varsity, and I think also Daniel touched on this, when you're fresh out of varsity and looking to buy property, um, obviously you can't afford to uh, buy property pay bond for that property and then also uh, have another property or rather rent stay in a rental property you know renting out it's, it's just um you've got to take it step by step you learn um and the best way to learn is when you're buying property uh for a home uh because you get to really learn through the process um and it, you get to learn to treat this as a business you learn about all the legal costs, uh, um, all the legal implications that you need to be aware of or that you may face in the future. Um, and obviously, when dealing with tenants, I mean, it, it can get really messy. If you don't learn, um, you know, especially from a legal perspective, um, you, you can, yeah, you can get into a mess. So it's important that you do a lot of research, learn, um, take your time, be patient with yourself. And yeah, I mean, it, it's at the end of the day, it's about building yourself a good portfolio investment um, and really starting early, buying property as, as, as early as you can also helps you in terms of building a good equity for yourself in the long run. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, I think it's just a variety of, of views upon, you know, perspective around property ownership is quite interesting. And again, you know, homework is important because uh, each person is case by case, you know, each person has different risk portfolio, risk appetite they want to take around property ownership. Uh, so I truly appreciate, especially around the aspect of considering the costs, uh, especially also legal aspects as well around having tenants. Uh, um, to extend on for the sake of time, because I, I see time is running out and we started a bit late. Uh, so hopefully at least by quarter quarter two or at least 10 minutes to, to 12, we can at least wrap up. Uh, but considering the discussion so far, I don't know if you want to extend on it, but just to add on to the next question as well. Um, there's a lot of discussions around the banks and, you know, even, you know, cost of having an agent, you know, like why is it some cases, some people feel discriminated and do you feel that's particularly true in your instance or have you ever seen issues around getting properly uh, quoted and considering the property that one wants, are those things someone has to fear of, uh, spending around banks, and also maybe to center that question around things around credit score. Is this particular aspects one has to look at in terms of property ownership or getting towards owning a property? Taboho? All right, cool. Um, so just to just to sort of uh, close it off in terms of uh, those costs that I, that are involved in, in in owning property, right? So um, to Zinka's point, yeah, obviously at inception of obviously the process of buying property, there's all those initiation costs, there's bond costs, there's transfer costs that you need to be cognizant of. 
Then as far as uh, if you sort of, uh, if you've taken out uh, a home loan to, you know, to service that purchase, then obviously there'll be, you know, monthly debt, you know, uh, service repayments. And then uh, there'll obviously be rates and levies that you need to be cognizant of. Then uh, just as uh, things to be cognizant of from a, an ownership perspective as well, I've taken something out, I've taken something out called a home loan protection plan. So if something happens to me, say I lose my job or, you know, God forbid I die, I know that my, my, my home loan is going to be paid for using that home loan protection plan, you know. Then there is uh, structural insurance. So I stay in a sectional title. So that's covered by uh, the body that looks after this, uh, this you know, complex here. But if you have a freehold or freestanding property, obviously, you need to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, anything can happen. Somebody can be drunk. They can, you know, uh, drive through the wall of your, your lounge or something, you know. And that's something that structural insurance takes care of, you know. Then there's obviously home contents insurance. So should something happen, should somebody steal something in your house or whatever, those things should be insured as well, right? And then there'll be uh, costs to, to, to upkeep the place. So those obviously will be, can I say, onerous in nature. So you don't have to fix the door every, can I say, every month. You do it once, you get it over and done with, you know. So there's those costs as well. And then, yeah, I think uh, I've, I've just, you know, touched on that. And then um, oh, the concept about banks stresses me out a lot because I think not much work goes on behind what we need to be wary of when we approach a bank to say, hi, Mr. Bank, can you please help me finance a, a purchase of a property, you know, especially in situations or circumstances where there's no capital and then there is risk elements to, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's it's a concept that Zinc is very familiar of, but the concept of credit risk, you know, where there's probability that somebody will default on, on repayments for whatever reasons. So to try and counter that, obviously, that's why a bank will look at something called a credit score, you know, and uh, to, 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 to build a credible credit score that gives you access to not only the best rates, but to facilities, you know, banking facilities as well. I mean, it's very, very important and something that we're not used to as, or it's a conversation that we don't necessarily entertain as Black people in a lot of instances, you know. So when I was starting out, you know, this is back in varsity, you know, people kept saying, Emona, you know what, have like a small clothing account, you know, even if it's just 500. The aim is not for you to buy something for 500, then repay the 500. If you do that, it tells the bank you afford, you, you know, you can afford whatever it is that you bought, you know, but to generate something called payment history, you need to go and buy something for 500, repay 100 rand, repay, uh, repay another 100 rand, Repay hundred on, uh, you know, repay another hundred rand, and do that consistently, you know, up until you finish the debt. You know, if you take something again, do the same thing. You know, that proves payment history. Payment, you know, payment history obviously speaks to a good credit, you know, sort of record because you are somebody that's able to take out a facility. You are somebody that's able to repay that facility, but most importantly, you're somebody that's able to repay that facility on time. And that obviously adds a little bit of, you know, credibility to your credit score as well. So if you're looking to finance through a particular bank, you know, it's very important to have a product with one of those banks, 
Because then if you're approaching NetBank, but you've never approached, you know, you've never banked with NetBank before, for example, you know, uh, where do you expect for them to get your payment history? Where do you expect for them to make the determination to say, but okay, no, Shop, if we give you a one, you know, a million rent to buy, a, you know, a property, we are, you know, in essence, you know, we do believe that you'll be able to, you know, to sort of uh, repay that one million, you know, how do they do that if they don't have some form of history with you? You know, so it's important then, even if it's just a small credit card of 1,000 francs, you know, take that credit card, generate a little bit of payment history that adds into your credit score, you know. So it's always these small things, man, that people neglect. It's always these small things that we don't really pay attention to. I mean, things like paying your debt on time, guys. You know, it's 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 a difficult conversation to try and tell somebody, hey, Mona, you have a judgment, you know, you haven't repaid so-and-so. No, but I went there, they owe me, this is wrong, they didn't do that, nah, nah. But you tell them, hey, Mona, there's a judgment in your day, we can't help you, you know? And then, you know, it becomes, it, I think for me personally, it becomes a very difficult conversation because then this is something that could have been easily avoided, you know, because the minute you run into financial, you know, uh, challenges, you make payment arrangements. Don't decide that, no, I don't have a job anymore, so I'm not going to honor my debt. You know, you make payment arrangements. Financial institutions, by law, are compelled. You know, should somebody run into trouble with a facility or servicing a facility, they are compelled by law to sit down with you and say, how can we best help you with regards to organizing a payment plan or a debt structuring plan or something of that sort, you know? So you sit down, you have a conversation, you sort that out. Your name is clear. Next time you want a product, they can easily, you know, grant you a product or a facility and you can buy whatever it is that you wanted to buy. So it's 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 all these things that I find prevalent in a lot of, you know, black communities and the the the, the ignorance that comes with it for me is sometimes what, what baffles me. But I think also it's a miseducation because a lot of times we get our education from people that are not really in the know-how, you know. So then it becomes a challenge where Ah, no, my friend, if you don't have a job, how do they expect you to pay? Don't pay them. It's fine. Cancel that contract. Do this, do that. But they don't understand the legal implications of that. They don't understand the financial implications of that as well. So I think uh, I don't necessarily think that there's a cabal within banks to maybe charge higher interest rates to black people and less interest rates to you know to white people or what. I don't think there is that kind of, of notion. I just personally think that a certain part of the population, meaning can I say white people, are very much aware of what needs to be done to uh, of what needs to be done to you know to to keep a very good credit uh, record or credit score and how to manage their finances. And then a larger section of the population, which is our black people, because we've never really been afforded the opportunity to learn of these things, that we, we we've never really been exposed to some of these things. I think that's I think that's where we we run into a little bit of challenges because as far as the banking systems are concerned, they they don't distinguish between who's black and white. They look at financial information. They look at empirical data, and uh, if that data does not articulate a certain point, then it becomes a, a problem. You know, so it's very important I think for us in black communities to educate our people properly as far as these things are concerned. Yeah. And maybe, you know, when they approach these kind of conversations, then it will put, it will, it will put them in a different light. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's quite interesting to see at least, you know, the issue around credit scores, judgments that people get. Um, people don't even check the credit reports. They don't even know what their scores are. But it's, it's obvious things that I think for bigger conversation around financial literacy in this country is one that 
hopefully as young black people can have, but there's actually an episode we're going to talk about that. Um, next, Klaganipo, uh, I don't know if you want to extend onto it, but for the sake of time as well, um, you've obviously heard the concerns around issues around issues of costs, issues around credit scores, um, but also just to extend to that, exactly, um, there's also the discussion around for the future long-term investments. Uh, for the sake of time, what is one thing that you think, if there's one thing someone has to kind of be fully conscious of in making a decision around property, um, things like crime, location, last episode we had our property was around whether if one wants to buy a property in a village, you know, there's, you know, I'm from Nimbabwe and someone tells you Fenda, they see a mansion in the village, you think, yeah, this is where it's at, whether compared to, you know, buying a mansion in, or a property in Johannesburg, put my money in. What is your view around those kind of things? What, what is one thing that you think, if that is something that you want, should be factored around location, crime, what are those kind of factors extending to the conversation, things someone should be conscious of? Yeah, so I believe that um, you should always purchase for cash flow if you're purchasing an investment, right? I believe always purchase for cash flow because capital appreciation is based on things that are outside of your control. Cash flow are generally things that you not 100% can control, but some of them are um, within your control. Capital appreciation, basically the increasing of property prices will always be based on uh, what's happening in the area, what is the municipality doing in that area, um, what is the behavior of their businesses? Is it close to transport? Is it close to hospitals? All those kind of things are completely outside of your control. The economy, 100% outside of your control. So if you're purchasing a property for investment purposes, then you should be purchasing for cash flow. That's what I believe. Because cash flow is me saying, I'm renting out this property and I'm making a profit of a thousand rands a month. So looking at it long-term, regardless of what happens, I'm still making that profit, a thousand rand a month. Even if property prices do go up, which would be a great positive, a benefit, it's an add-on rather than a necessity. That's how I look at it because I've literally seen situations where people purchase properties and hope for capital appreciation and it doesn't happen. And then the cash flow is not there as well. So then you're making a loss every month and you're not getting capital appreciation after 10 years. I've seen a guy who purchased a property for 600K and later when he wanted to sell, the valuation went in at about 400. So that that was like, I think it was 12 or 13 years later. So that becomes very, that's a difficult conversation to have with someone. But if you had purchased for cash flow purposes um, and he eventually wants to sell, even if he does make a loss on sale, but throughout the years of him owning the property, he's been enjoying the cash flows of the property. So when you are purchasing a property, I'm not saying some properties you won't get uh, cash flow, you won't be cash flow positive from day one. That is the reality. But if you're purchasing with the intention of cash flow, then it's much better than purchasing for capital appreciation. So that's just my um, philosophy and my uh, thinking in terms of investing long term. Uh, always invest for cash flow, even though it is a long term investment, investment, and let capital appreciation be a benefit rather than you banking on it, which is why I'd never. Personally, I'd never, I'd never purchase a property in Santon. I'd never purchase a property in Bryanston. Those type of areas, I just, I just wouldn't do it because I understand. We would say, I'm, I'm banking on something that 
outside of my control and i like being in control of of of, of my outcome because i told you guys a bit earlier i'm a i'm a risk taker i take a lot of risks in my life so if i'm going in best believe i'm going in or like i'm really going in on it so if i'm putting in significant amounts of investments on something then i need to be sure to a certain level because i need to have an exit strategy and my exit strategy can't be i'm going to sell and hope to sell for more than what i bought it for it doesn't make sense to me so that's just my take on it no, I appreciate that. Um, I know you have to leave, so if you want to hop off, that's up to you. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate the consideration around cash flow and just you know those kind of factors that you need to for the long-term investment. Um, for the sake of time, Sne, next you can just add on to that. Um, there was a question there because I had a several other questions that some people asked me to ask you guys, uh, especially around real estate agents as well, what things you have to ask them and stuff like that. But I think we'll probably for another discussion. Sne, I don't know if you want to add on to what has been discussed so far before we go to the last closing question. Well, yeah, question everyone else can just participate in. Sne? When one decides to buy property for investment, I, I think the mistake that most of us have made, you buy a property, you lease it out, you go and lease it somewhere else. So you, you now have these two payments at the end of the month, the, the one the one that you are leasing out, you are fully responsible for. And then the other one, you're like, okay, anyway, I'm paying rent. I'm not responsible for the rates, levies, and whatsoever. But for me, that's very stupid. If you want to invest in property for me, for me personally, in my journey, what I did, I converted my two-bedroom flat with a balcony into a three-bedroom. I stayed in a balcony. I had tenants in the two bedrooms. So for the whole one year, I was staying with them. I had to come down, pull myself towards myself, lower my expectations and my lifestyle. But throughout that year, I managed to save a lot of money. With a lot of money, Zintle, I used it as a deposit for my next property <laughs> for, the, for the transfer costs and all those things. And when buying a property, another thing, guys, that I've learned, your first... In don't wait for the first installment to kick in. Pay in the first installment yourself. Let's say your, your let's say your, your your registration is done in the middle of the month. Don't wait for the next month for the bond to kick in. Start on the next day. Pay the installment your first bond. Go and pay it yourself in the bank. It lowers the interest drastically. And after that, double your bond every month, at least for the first six months or the the first year. Ridiculously. It lowers your interest and you make a lot of money when you're selling it. Thank you. That, that's, a, that's, that's something I didn't know. Uh, that's, I really appreciate that. Um, for the sake of time, I think we'll just go to closing. So whatever else you want to add on, this is your opportunity to extend. Uh, but the last, probably if you want to answer this, it's up to you. Question is, from a positive perspective, what is, your, what is one of the positive things you experience from owning a property? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a financial because everyone wants to speak about, you know, from an academic, you know, it's financially good to do this, that, but also from a sentimental value of just owning a property, a place that you can call your home, your own. Or what are the positive parts that you've experienced from owning a property? Um, I see Zintla, you raised your hand, so probably I can start with you and then we'll probably go to Daniel afterwards. 
Um, yeah, no, I just, I, I wanted to, to add to what Sne was saying in terms of um, lowering your interest rates. Um, it's true what she says. I mean, I, I work at a bank and I see, um, they always say, the more money you put into your bond repayments, um, the less your, your, the lower your interest rates go. So, so it's actually a good practice. Even if you are, you are renting out your, your property and you're receiving rental income, put that rental income into your, your bond repayment. You know? it, it really, um, it significantly lowers your interest rate. So yeah, um, your question? Um, just send it around positive, what has been your positive experiences you've seen from owning property? Not necessarily financial, but also just sentimental, having your own property in your name. What are things that you can say for that, to that? So for me, it gives me a great sense of achievement. Um, you know, uh, having bought property at, I think I was 23 years old when I bought my first property, it gave me that sense of, you know, um, it, it, it feels like an achievement because, I mean, not to, to make any comparisons, but I mean, the reality is at this age, in our age group, uh, young people like us, we don't really make such um big crazy financial decisions so it takes a great amount of self-discipline and control you know to really be looking into that space and making such financial decisions i mean it is an investment um so yeah it also gives you a great sense of independence you know that um even if you were to lose your job you at least have something to your name you know, um, and if you rent, it's, it's even better when you're renting it out because even if you lose all your other sources of income, um, you still be making income from your rental property. So for me, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 it's, it's a great thing. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. You know, I swear I wish I had like a scoreboard just to press a buzz and hips bars, 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 bars. You guys are just spitting bars at each other. Um, Daniel, what, what is what is your parting word, especially in terms of what is positive sentimental views? Because we don't just speak about financial property is also something that you know emotionally can make you feel good, can also just give you a sense of value and appreciation and accomplishment. So what is what is your experience on that part? Well, yeah, I mean, like, I think I bought, it's, you know, like, as like Janelle uh, has mentioned, like if you're buying to, to invest, obviously, it's a financial perspective. I bought to, to stay in, right? Um, but I've also, I've also had like an investment at the back of my mind. So I also affected investment perspective and also staying. So, um, but I think from a sentimental point of view, I mean, you can give the house your personal touch. I mean, you make it a home. Um, uh design the, the house however you want to design it um you know that you the landlord won't come in and be like hey why is the um i left the the grocery cabinet on this side now it's moved to the other side what happened because at the end of the day you don't you're not supposed to do that because that sort of factors in on how people would want to sort of rent when the other tenants when they want to move in and all that but i think for me it's it's actually helpful in a sense of I think we can give it our personal touch I and mean, like have memories in this house that we can literally probably in five years or ten years from now look back and be like, hey, remember when we lived in that house? This is what happened. This is what we went through and all that. But yeah, I think for me it's more of giving it a like making it a home. And also I wanted to say in closing, um, I think back in 2018, Martha from work she actually introduced me to loan amortization schedule on the Excel, the Excel template. I actually fell in love with it. It actually shows you 
what Zinjle and Sne were talking about in the sense of you can play around and see how the interest rates go up and down as you put extra cash inside and all of that. And I also wanted to say, uh, have a comment on what Devza mentioned with regards to uh, credit score and interest rates. I mean, I think me and my manager, we had a conversation with regards to, I can afford this. I just can't, I just don't have the money right now, but can you give me the money so that I can paid later on. I mean, at the end, the bank won't give you the money. Even they know, even if they know that you're going to pay them, you have the money to pay them next month because of the fact that you don't have like a, a repayment history. They, they can't give you that loan because they're not sure why you don't, why can't you afford it now that you're asking money? But yeah, so that's just my closing statement. No, thanks, Daniel. You know, when you're speaking about obviously making your home your home and making it homely i was thinking about the first time i was renting and the amount of changes i made to that place and i was like yo the day i wanted to move out the month before and i was like yo i hear deposit is gone here and i was like the tv i mounted oh my gosh the tent the landlord is gonna hate me uh but yeah those kind of things that you know afterwards you think about you know you know, maybe it's advantageous to have my own place, especially someone who appreciates making a home, your own space, being comfortable in your own place and making it comfortable in your own aspect. Uh, so yeah, but I appreciate that. Tawoho, what is your parting word, especially in the positive sense of you owning a property? I don't know if you guys uh, remember that video that went viral of this other old lady. So the, the, grand, the grandchild was playing a song and then the, the 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 grandmother stopped the, the music and she was like mo kihakamo mo kihakamo that's the kind of positive energy that i have when i wake up to you know i wake up in my house and i'm like hey dog this is your house you know and to start my day with that kind of positive energy i mean for me it does wonders for me especially in my line of work you know, so that's first, right? Then secondly, I'm, I'm, I'm consciously, as I said, I, I, I manage my affairs like I run a business. So I'm constantly looking for income generating assets. That's first. Secondly, I'm constantly calculating my net worth. Now, by virtue of understanding the value of property and what it does on my personal net worth, for me, it makes sense, you know, and I feel like it's a very positive move that I've made. And uh, if I, all assets considered, I think as it stands right now, my property constitutes around about 30% of all my other assets. So my personal balance sheet. So to be able to, to do that and to be able to get that significant sort of, you know, impact on my personal balance sheet, for me, it makes sense, you know. And obviously, like I said, it's the kind of positive energy that I feed off, you know. So I don't really pay too much attention to the noise. I don't really pay too, uh, too much attention to uh, outside factors. For me, it's all about a solid plan in place, a solid plan that warrants exceptional execution. And if I'm committed to the plan, if I'm committed to the actions, the daily actions that I need to carry out, you know, that plan, if I commit to those and I do them as best as I can, I definitely do think that I minimize the chances of failure, you know, and uh, that's essentially my plan with, with my property and probably the more that I'm going to own. So just having a solid plan in place and executing it properly for me, 
that's the best advice that I could give to anybody out there. Yeah, now I appreciate that. You know, I was gonna suggest that you know after this, I come with the camera crew and you go through each of your guys' houses. We do a proper trip South Africa. You give us a tour of your mansions, and you know we we gonna at least see what's going on in your house. You give us a tour, but uh, I'll arrange that so at least we see the positive aspects. I'll bribe for you. I live in bribe for you, my friend. I'll throw uh, in a cocktail party as well and a pool party. <laughs> we'll go chill in my lawn. Okay, that's perfect. See, some of us, we don't have those, you know, we have, we have landlords to think about. And yeah, but now I appreciate that. Uh, Sne, what is your parting words? And then I think we can wrap up after that. If you are single and you, have, you don't have kids, there's no point of you owning a two-bedroom flat. Move to a bachelor. You don't need that whole space. Move to a bachelor, save money, and buy another property. It's pointless to hog two bedrooms. For what? Who are you impressing? So that's what we, that's the mistake we also do. Your, your first property is a two bedroom, two bedrooms. Yeah, 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 yeah. Double garage. For what? Move to a bachelor, have something to start with. And don't go for a bachelor in Zimbabwe. Go for a bachelor in Glenwood, Musgrave. Don't go for a bachelor, okay, in four ways. Go for a bachelor somewhere in town, downtown, Newtown, whatever. And start, start somewhere. Don't start up there because you will start with a bond of 10,000 rands. And then what's going to happen? How are you going to move forward? That's why I said, whatever that you buy, make sure it's not something that's going to keep you down. It's not something that's going to hold you. It's something that's going to help you move forward. If it doesn't help you move forward, don't go for it. Thank you, guys. No, I appreciate that. I'm like, ish, but a guy's Instagram of it. One bedroom, yeah, no, you know, just, you know, just some nice, you know, Bryanston apartment, you know, I can just tag, you know, Bryanston. Imagine that I'm tagging, like, hi, guys, how are guys? But now I understand, I, I'm just joking, but now I really appreciate the, the, the input. Uh, it's quite valuable to really see diversity of property owners. Um, I was almost going to grow like an Nepo since he's a real estate agent. There was a question someone asked me, it's like, He's been sold out by real estate agents, but yeah, anyway, yeah, anyway, uh, that's that's not a question to ask directly, but I wanted to see exactly what is the experience of real estate agents for you guys and getting to the property. Sometimes people say they're salespeople, but just understanding things like from the banking side, real estate agents, conveyances, and I invited all these people. So I'm at least glad we had a small group because last time it was almost 10 people wanted to join and that kind of make the group small to at least manage the conversation. But I do appreciate you guys joining the podcast discussion was absolutely valuable uh, a lot of gems was spits if you want to use that word spoken and it's really insightful to see at least the diversity of experiences people have the difference of opinions it's not like an echo chamber of ah, it's great it's great it's great or it's bad it's bad it's bad it's bad uh, just everyone has their own unique experiences and from the jump you guys have mentioned do your homework and i, I really i really I, I really truly appreciate that kind of thought of mind that you know don't just do it because other people are doing it. Um, also do your own background and why you want to get property. But yeah, I, I've, I've said a mouthful myself. I don't know, see, you see, you've raised your hand that you want to add on as well. One more thing, guys. Can we grow up to the level where we just want to own land, where you buy land and you develop the land? <laughs> I agree. I agree with you. It's a trend, hey? It's becoming a trend. <laughs> Because you buy land and then where you're going to get the money to build onto it. It also costs a fortune to build. Yeah. yeah. I want land in Venda. 
they put <laughs> it. Can you please like organize Lynn for us in Vendamix? Uh, yeah, mention like him. Uh, guys, I was going to recommend Zimbali, but you guys are not talking about Fenda yet. But anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do. We can talk to some chiefs. There's now a new chief uh, of the Fenda tribe, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, nah, we'll see what happens. I heard you guys are getting land for free, that's like. Uh, well, I think it's, it's most rural land where there's uh, traditional uh, kingdoms and stuff. It's, it's obviously land can be allocated for free, but it's also based if you actually are based there and you can't just come there from from Cape Town, wanting land in Venda, and they'll be like, ah, who are you? But yeah, I guess those kind of things you have to kind of be cognizant of. But if you have people that you know that you can make a plan properly. Uh, but yeah, don't take it from me. Probably consult properly. But yeah. Uh, so I think Mama Seku, can you not organize somebody for us that site? <laughs> Where? Red Venda. I don't stay in Venda. I mean, you can't say you don't know anyone from there. We want land there. No, we must, we must, we, we really must organize, guys. We must get land. We want this land back. I love this kind of progressive conversation. So, Peter, <laughs> you'll organize the land, Zinka will organize the person, Daniel will organize the, the financing, then Sne, you'll run the company or you'll run the business. Eh? I don't know about Daniel organizing the financing there, but we'll have to. Hey, listen to this guy. I'm, I'm well aware. I'm well aware of the difference between a principal debt and repayment debt. <laughs> I don't know how you drive. Hey, it, it, it worries me about your financials, but we'll talk about that some other day. Uh, but guys, for the sake of time, because I don't want to take you all day, I truly appreciate. Uh, usually, I do lives, but we changed that probably last season just to at least allow us to edit. Uh, some people think I, I try avoiding making a typical Zoom call where people just talk. So I do my magic in the background. Shama, I'm a, I don't know if you know what a lower third is, you know, all these visual terms to make it actually an interesting conversation for someone to watch and actually engage in. But also fixing the audio as well here and there. So yeah, but that's what I'm going to be doing. Then I'll probably send you guys a link tomorrow. Even the snippets will be uploaded tomorrow, so at least you can see and people can see what was talked about and get a preview of our discussions. Yeah, from my side, thank you guys. I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. And yeah, we'll, we'll keep in touch. But thank you guys. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. It was a great session. Cheers. By the OFS Collective.